coming up on this week's episode of the In the Left Lane podcast brought to you by Rivals and Hogbeat.com. We recap the Razorbacks' loss on the road to Kentucky, give y'all all the updates and notable tidbits from practice this week, and preview the 5-1 Auburn Tigers coming to Fayetteville this weekend. Let's do it! Welcome, everybody, to episode seven of the In the Left Lane podcast, brought to you by Hogbeat.com and powered by Rivals. I'm Nikki Chavanel, managing editor over at Hogbeat.com. I'm here with Andrew Hutchinson, our lead team reporter. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, probably a lot better than a lot of the fans are right now. I know they're uh, the people are angry right now. They're very, very angry. I have been angry all week, and I just cannot help it because, like, the negativity just it swirls and swirls and swirls around. And, like, any time like, – I try not to read the comments on my tweets, but, you know, sometimes you have to because people have questions and you want to answer them. But then you start reading some of the negativity, and I, I snapped a little bit yesterday. But is this kind of just like another season for you? Yeah, this is, uh, this is my eighth year covering the team. Uh, that started in 2012, so I've been there from smile to now. Uh, it's it's been uh, there's been a few high points in there, but mostly it's it's been a lot of a lot of dark times. Uh, obviously, I think we've reached the the darkest of times with Arkansas football. You know, coming off a two and ten and staring at another possible two and ten, maybe three and nine, maybe four and eight if you get crazy at the end of the year. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not good right now. So the Razorbacks are now two and four. They are coming off a another close loss. Uh, they lost 24 to 20 to Kentucky in Lexington. Um, you, neither one of us were there, right? No, nope. neither one of us were there, but we saw it on TV. They started Nick Starkle, and he gets off to a 7 for 19 start. Didn't throw a pick this game, so that was a plus. But man, he was just not on, and I think pretty much everyone but the coaches realized it early, uh, but they decided to wait to you know kind of see if he could get it going and it just wasn't happening and then they put in Ben Hicks and you know he went five for eight so that there just wasn't much time left for him to do much I think if they'd put him in earlier might have been a different story yeah I mean you said Nick didn't throw any interceptions well one reason he didn't throw any interceptions because he wasn't throwing the ball anywhere near anybody uh he was just it was one of those days his his footwork was off you know Jordan Rogers on the SEC network uh, did a pretty good job explaining, you know, what what the issue was, uh, and the, the coaches have seen that on film and, and they've addressed it. That's something they're working on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was a little surprised they didn't go to Ben a little bit earlier. Uh, I mean, I honestly would have thought about going to Ben right out of the half because uh, they they knew that Nick was just off. I mean, that's something Chad even admitted in his post game press conference was that you know I noticed it, felt it early on that he was out of sync, out of rhythm. Well, if you noticed early on, why not make a switch? Why not make the switch at the half like you did against Ole Miss, bringing in Nick off the bench, bring in Ben, and you know he's a guy that has proven just two weeks earlier in the last game against Texas A&M that he's capable of, of coming off and, and actually giving you a chance to win. So there were a lot of things that kind of made you question what Chad Morris and his staff were thinking with this game. Uh, at the end of the first half, Arkansas has a 13-7 lead, and they decide, with 55 seconds left, 
not to try to drive down the field and go for a field goal with Connor Limpert, who is good from maybe what, like 50, 53? He's made a 55-yarder. Yeah. He's attempted a 60-yarder. He's got the leg to make a kick like that. Yeah. Uh, Chad Morris claimed that, you know, if they had gotten a first down more quickly, hadn't burned as much time, maybe Kentucky takes a timeout, then they would have It was tried a weird, that, a weird, weird, weird excuse. I, I didn't yeah. buy it. It was, it was, uh, he, he said he was content with a 13 to 7 lead, and that's just, especially when Kentucky's getting the ball to start the second half, that's just, that was very weird for me. Like that, that was, they were, he was almost coaching scared. Like, I don't want Nick to make a bad pass and throw a pick yeah. six or something, but. Uh, I don't I know. Don't, that's not how you can play, especially when you're Chad Morris, who, you know, claims to be this aggressive offensive guru. So that was very confusing. But the one positive I would take away from that game is they were finally able to get off to a really fast start thanks to Rakeem Boyd. And Rakeem only finished the game with 15 carries because, you know, he got banged up. His shoulder was injured. He had to go get x-rays. He didn't play much in the second half. Uh, and behind him, I mean, Devall Whaley just doesn't quite have that firepower that Rakeem Boyd has. And I think if they had been able to have a third guy, like, I don't know why Chase Hayden wasn't playing. And I, I, I really don't understand why they still haven't put Amante Spivey in the game. But... Arkansas needs to get their rushing attack going with more than just Rakeem Boyd. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Devois has – I thought that he would be a little bit better than he has been. I mean, his final stats weren't just horrible. I mean, he had nine carries for, for 42 yards. That's a 4.7-yard average. That's decent, except for the fact that half of those yards came on one carry. Yeah. So eight carries for 21 yards, that's, that's not a very good average there. It's less than three yards a carry. And – you, you expect more from a guy like that, so maybe maybe you see T.J. Hammonds get involved a little bit. I mean, he's a guy we've talked about you know forever for the last four years. It feels four or five years, um, but you know maybe he's a guy. Uh, maybe you know, Amante Spivey, as I mentioned, because I, mean, I saw him play in high school, and I thought he was a guy that was was capable of at least contributing, at least you know getting into four games and seeing what he can do. Uh, so I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. You really need to get those guys going and not just one of them because Chad Morris's offense really benefits from a running quarterback. And if you don't have that, you have to have uh, more productive guys in your run game. Uh, Receiving-wise, you know, Traylon Burks once again looked like, you know, Superman. Any time the ball was in his hands, it looked like he would make stuff happen. But he did get credited with two drops and he's been a guy that has caused some penalties and some called back plays. Do you feel like he's finally at the point where that kind of stuff's going to get cut out? Yeah, I think he's he's maturing, and, and you know that just that comes with playing. He he's played five games now. He missed one game uh, this year due to a concussion. Uh, but he he seems to be slowly but surely you know making steps in the right direction. But he's a guy you just you've got to find a way to get the ball in his hands. I mean, he only had two catches for 25 yards against Kentucky, but he had the uh, really impressive 26-yard punt return that was just really impressive. He was credited with an 11-yard run uh, that was on the the. It was supposed to be a double pass where he received a, a pass that was thrown behind uh, Ben Hicks. Uh, and was going to pass it, but 
he had the, the thought saying, you know, hey, it's not there, so he tucked the ball and, yeah, and got what smart. he could. Got 11 yards of first down. I mean, that was that was an impressive play. That's what Mike Woods should have done that one game where he ran backwards. Starkle threw the ball to him, and he was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to get this, and then he runs backwards. You just got to go for it. Anyways, um, going back to the defense and what they were unable to do uh, against Lynn Bowden, and, I mean, the Arkansas staff clearly knew he was an option. They were talking about him all week long, but even we still thought maybe we'd see Sawyer Smith throwing the ball, but uh, Lynn Bowden ended up with 196 yards and two TDs on the ground, and the the play that sticks out to me the most is his long touchdown run um, that, I mean, Arkansas defense just looks so slow. Sosa was the fastest guy coming after him, it looked like. Yeah. Uh, now, to his credit, he, he's a very talented player. Yes, we knew he, he was dynamic. I mean, that was one of my keys to the game was don't let him beat you because he's their guy. I mean, he is the stud. And uh, he just he just did what uh, he had to do to, to win the game at the quarterback position. I mean, he only completed 7 of 11 passes, 78 yards. He did have the really nice uh, fade route touchdown uh, pass. Uh, but really, I, I was disappointed the way the defense, the, the scheme was. Yeah. Uh, they, they were in nickel uh, package, which means they had an extra defensive back on the field uh, for two-thirds of the game. They very rarely stacked the box. They usually had either uh, six or seven guys in the box. They didn't ever bring one of the safeties down to provide help or anything like that. Because uh, this was a team that was going to run the ball. They had 54 runs to 12 passes. That is a team that you should load the box against and just stop the run, load up to stop the run. And, you know, we asked Chief and we asked Chad about it, and, you know, Chief said, oh, we did that throughout the game. But I went back and watched it. They very rarely did any. I mean, they occasionally used some bare front, you know, five defensive linemen but very rarely stacked the box. I just found that a little a little confusing as to why they wouldn't do that whenever it's clearly a guy that's going to be running the ball and is not much of a passing threat. I'd like to give a little shout out to Bumper Poole who week after week looks like he is personally trying to will this team to a win. He gives a ton of effort and he looks much better than he did last season uh, as a true freshman. Yeah, he had like tackles on what, the first four plays, five yeah. plays, something like that. I mean, he, he had a bunch of tackles early on until Kentucky finally decided, hey, this guy's pretty good. Let's, let's run it the other way. And they started running away from him, and, well, we saw what happened. And then the other issue was, on top of not being able to start, stop Lim Bowden from running, he was also able to complete 7 of 11 passes. The passes that he threw on target, he was able to complete, and that is a – is a big concern because he is their best wide receiver and he it's not like he was able to pass to himself so why wasn't Arkansas secondary able to have better coverage their coverage grade this week on pro football focus was like in the 40s so that's a big concern uh you have Bo Nix coming to town this weekend and he's a much better passer than Lim Bowden and even I mean yeah he is better passer but he's not great I mean he's only completing like 54 percent of his passes something like that but still as you said, he's better than Lynn Bowden. Uh, he may not be. He, he's still a running threat too. Uh, that that's what kind of scares me. You know, looking looking ahead is that he's a true dual threat guy. Lynn Bowden, 
you can call him a dual threat because he runs, but really he was a single threat. He was a threat with his legs. Uh, Bo Nix, he is a threat with his arm and with his legs. Uh, Chad Morris, after the game and throughout the week, is once again disappointed, disappointed that they're not able to finish drives and, and finish games, and they've lost three games now by one score. It must be very, very frustrating for the players, and they're getting a whole lot of criticism for both you know, the coaching and for their own talent, and, and that must be pretty hard to ignore, but they're doing their best. Uh, let me play a clip of Jarquez McClellan this week. I thought it was a pretty good response, and I was asking these questions. It's not like they were unprompted and just talking about how the fans were shitting on them or anything. Like I was asking them personally what they were doing to block out the noise. Uh, I don't like. I just tune it out. I really just don't think about it. Really, I don't pay social media no attention at all because I look at it as y'all giving me comments and y'all not hearing our foots. Y'all not waking up 5:30 in the morning coming to six o'clock workouts. So why should I listen to what you have to say? I make sure I listen to my coaches and my teammates and to anybody else around in this, in this facility. So I just make sure I do that. So yeah, it's been tough on the players, but they're trying to just stay within themselves and stay within their own locker room. With the slight exception, we've seen a few deleted tweets. Uh, talk about that Tyson Morris tweet that you particularly thought was quite offensive. Well, it was ill-advised, yeah. uh, definitely. I mean, he, he said something along the line. I don't you know. Has it been deleted? I haven't looked. Yeah, he deleted. So it was put up on Tuesday night, and by Wednesday morning, once it had gained some traction, he decided to delete it, or he was told to delete it. Yeah, it was something along the lines of... Uh, uh, fans... Fans who don't even go to Arkansas be the worst. Yeah, <laughs> that that was ill-advised because a lot of your fans aren't currently going to the University of Arkansas, or never, or went even to the, never yeah. went to the University of Arkansas, and that's totally fine. If you grew up in Arkansas and you went to Arkansas Tech or Harding or Watchtower Baptist or whatever or didn't even go to college, you, you went and got a job, whatever, you can still be a fan of the Razorbacks. And for him to say that is a little bit, it's, it's disappointing. I mean, you should recognize that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's a guy that should know how the fan base is because his dad was a very good basketball player. Uh, Isaiah Butch Morris mm -hmm. uh, played basketball for Arkansas and he's from Arkansas. He, I believe he grew up in, in Helena, and then he graduated from Fayetteville High School, so he should know how it is. Uh, it, he should just not tweet it. That, that's always the, the, the thing I suggest to people, both players and fans alike, just don't tweet. Yeah, Joe Fouché was smart about it. When I asked him about the social media noise this week, he said, if you've noticed, I haven't been tweeting much on, in the past few days, just staying off of it, and that's smart because literally anything you post, even if it's just like, I don't know, like music lyrics or whatever you want, you're going to get bad comments. The, that always happens. Guys post music lyrics or, you know, hey, maybe they just got into a fight with their girlfriend yeah. and they're upset. People read way too much. I mean, these these are teenage kids. Some of them are not teenagers anymore, but they're still kids. I mean, trying to interpret what they're meaning on social media, you're, it's a losing battle. So I don't even try. I received a little backlash from the story I wrote, but... Honestly, I 100% understand where the fans are coming from. I mean, I've been covering the team now for a season and a half, and I get frustrated watching them, and I'm just an unbiased media person. 
as fans, I understand that you expect a certain level of success. You're you're buying tickets; they cost a good a good amount of money, and to get here, it costs a lot of money. But at the end of the day, your voice will start to weigh down on these players, and luckily, it seems like they've been able to cut that out. And C.J. O'Grady this week said that it's it's a lot different this season; that that there isn't the bickering back and forth between players in the locker room and stuff like that. And while some players might be on the down low discussing how they're upset about playing time and stuff, it, it doesn't seem like it's seeped too much into their, their playing on the field. Like, it looks like they're still giving 100% effort. Does that continue after they have to play Auburn and Alabama and LSU, I, I don't know, but it seems like so far they've managed to do a good job despite being kind of promised that Chad Morris would bring them into this golden era. Yeah, I think you hit it right there. Is how are they going to be in a couple of weeks? Because I think we all have a feeling that these next two games, you know, Auburn uh, this Saturday and then at Alabama the next week, those games are not going to be pretty. Uh, I don't think anyone thinks they will be. Uh, so how are they going to be after that? At that point, they're going to be two and six, and you're staring at you got to win out just to make a bowl game. And I think Mississippi State's after that. That Mississippi State game, I think, is going to tell us a lot. Uh, how do they play in that game? And then if they do lose that game and they're you know no longer bowl eligible, do they still have enough pride to not let Ty Story and Western Kentucky come in here and embarrass them? That is the big key. Uh, I think that even even regardless of what happens after the season, if there's coaching changes, if there's not or whatever, if you're an Arkansas fan, you at least want to say, at least we didn't lose to Western Kentucky. You've already lost to San Jose State. You lost to North Texas and Colorado State last year. At least you can be, say you beat Ty Story, the guy that left and tried to come back and beat you. So I think that that's... Those that Mississippi State, uh, Western Kentucky games back to back, I think are, gonna, are are huge. And just seeing how uh, how if this team really is different than last year's team. If we take a step back and and look at this these six games so far, besides the San Jose State game, Arkansas was not favored to win any of the games that they've lost. So, if they had won that game, do you think the fan tone would be different? Uh, maybe. I feel like if they had beaten San Jose State and then just won one of the three SEC games so far, if they had just beaten Ole Miss or just beaten A&M or just beaten Kentucky, I think that the fan tone would be a lot different. Like, people would still be upset, like, hey, this isn't what we really want, but at least it's not as bad as it is right now. So uh, I think that uh, the, the San Jose State game really just kind of soured anything uh, that that could be sal salvaged from this season, in my opinion. The other thing that I think fans are really frustrated with is how through six games, Chad Morris still cannot settle on a quarterback. Uh, you have Ben Hicks, who you know hasn't put up great stats. He's fifty-one percent, um, averaging six point four yards per throw with one touchdown. Uh, but then on the other side, you have Nick Stargle, who has over 1,000 yards, 58%, but he's got seven interceptions. So if you're Chad Morris, if you're 
stuck between a rock and a hard place and now other people are saying why aren't you trying anyone else and why can't you make a, a solid decision on who you're going to start and why aren't these guys ready and why don't they understand the system well enough yeah it's uh, it's not a good time for for chad morris i'm i'm not jealous of the position he's in right now uh, in the least because it's it's not easy uh, i i feel like you know Hicks and Stark will give Arkansas the best chance to win right now, even though it may be a very small chance. Uh, but I mean, it's it's clear that KJ Jefferson, it, they just they feel like is is not ready. That's the guy everyone's hollering for because he's a you know, four star, dual threat. He's kind of like the the guy that everyone's hoping will come in and be the Deshaun Watson or whatever of Chad Morris's offense. I don't think that he's ready yet I mean he I think he's got a very high ceiling I think he maybe has the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks but he's a true freshman he played at a small school in Mississippi and it's it's a big jump I mean we saw it with several other you know we saw it with uh, Rafe Peavy uh, Ty Story I mean these are guys that came from small high schools and needed time to adjust and some of them and they never arguably never came around to being competent SEC starters I don't think KJ's on the same level as them. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be better than them. Uh, that's just based on you know watching him in one game in high school. Uh, but I I don't know if he's quite ready. I think I think we'll see him some in some maybe some special packages, but no more than the four games that he's allowed allowed to you know maintain his red shirt. Yeah, KJ was a four star and he just made the rivals two fifty coming out of high school and I think a lot of that was based on his potential. I know that Chad Simmons, the uh, analyst who does the state of Mississippi, like I kept up with him constantly during KJ's senior year and he just kept saying he wanted to see more consistency out of him and he finally, after he put up some very good numbers, he finally gave him that four star. But it wasn't because he's like Bo Nix or like some of the other guys that could immediately go out there and play. And Bo Nix, you know, he was an early enrollee, so it's a different situation. Uh, let's play what Chad Morris had to say about what he's planning to do with the quarterbacks this week and when he plans to announce the starter. No, I have named starter and uh, probably not going to. Not to the end. Uh, I don't know that yet, but uh, they've, they've both had had a really good day yesterday, a lot of competition. Uh, my challenge to them is consistency. That's what we've got to have. And, um, you know, I think Ben's done a great job, you know, coming in as a reliever. And, and I've shared that with him. And Nick came in as a reliever and did a good job too. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not having a problem if I put one on the field and, and I had to bring somebody off the bench to, to be a reliever, so, so to speak, to get us going. Um, I think they, these guys have both have done that. But uh, we'll see how the day goes. Um, and, and go from there. But I've been very pleased with the way they've they've uh, are competing um, and just trying to be consistent with our entire team right now. That, that's that's my main message. So um, on Thursday, the Razorbacks have a walkthrough, and then Friday, I don't believe they do much of a real practice at all either. So do you think Chad Morris might actually have the idea of who he's starting and he just doesn't want to give it away to Gus Malzahn? I think he maybe has an idea now. When we talked to him, and we, you know, that from that clip right there, it was right before Wednesday's practice, and that was like their last kind of real practice. As you mentioned, they got walkthroughs, uh, but I think after that, he probably had a pretty good idea. 
I didn't anticipate him like publicly announcing a starter because, as you said, you don't want to give uh, you know Gus Malzahn any advantage. I mean, I think it's kind of I think most people like outside of the program think that's a little silly because you know, it's Auburn and, and plus both quarterbacks they're kind of similar. It's not like one brings a yeah. completely different dimension. Now, if it was KJ Jefferson versus either Starkle or Hicks, then that would be one thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he really knew at the time of that clip, uh, but I bet he has a pretty good idea uh, right now, you know, a couple of days before the game. Um, I've had several people DM me, and we have people on the board who are willing to put down lots and lots of money that Traylon Burks will be throwing the ball at some point this weekend. I could honestly see it happening because Traylon did play a little bit of quarterback at Warren. What do you think? I mean, if we're saying, is he going to throw a pass, like a single pass, that wouldn't surprise me. And they they tried a trick play against Ole Miss. They went the wrong way. They tried the trick play against Kentucky. He you know, ended up pulling it down and running. Uh, I don't know if they may have, like, a different design. Because you can't just keep running the same play. I mean, people are going to see that on film and be like, okay, we got to be ready for this. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he throws a pass. But do I think he's going to be lining up there, back there quarterback for a significant amount of time? No, I, I don't think so. We only get to see 20 minutes of practice. What if, for the rest of the time, they're working trail on with the quarterbacks? That would be pretty mind-blowing. I mean, I mean that would be crazy. Uh, that would definitely give us something to write about. <laughs> uh, but I, I just would be surprised by that, especially since you know, they keep talking about you know with Traylon, you know, Coaches were asked this week, hey, is he ready to take on a bigger role? Uh, and they say, you know, well, we're still bringing him along slowly a little bit because he is a freshman. He has made uh, these mistakes, aligning up, lining up wrong, uh, false start, uh, just things like that. Um, that I Could you imagine if he's struggling just like wide receiver, yeah. knowing everything you have to know to be a quarterback? I mean, uh, there's a reason uh, it – that you could go very badly. See, yeah, you don't you don't see a lot of true freshmen like Bo Nix coming in and starting right away unless they are just you know tailor made ready. I mean, Bo Nix's dad was you know was an SEC quarterback, mm -hmm. so I mean he has an advantage of of that. I just I don't see that for a guy like Traylon Burks. Uh, something we haven't even touched on this week. There were two departures from the team, uh, starting with on Monday. We got from Danny West that Devon McClure was going to enter the transfer portal. Then we talked to Chad Morris on Monday afternoon, and he said that Devon told him he was, you know, thinking of his family, he's got a kid, he's going to focus on getting his degree and getting a job. Keep in mind, he's 25 years old, so that yes. makes sense because so he played a lot professional of sense. baseball before coming to college. And then yesterday, he tweeted that he has officially entered the transfer portal, and you don't answer, enter the transfer portal unless you're looking for another destination. And he'd be a, a grad transfer, so that makes sense, but he's essentially quitting on this team this year because he could still grant, grad transfer next year, right? Like, has he? he's played all... He's already, yeah, he's, he's, he's already a, he's burned a, any kind yeah. of whatever. He's not a four-game kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, so do you think he just didn't tell Chad Morris what his plans were? 
That's a great question. I've wondered that. Uh, someone wasn't telling the truth at yeah. some point, whether that be Devon when he went to Chad and said, hey, I want to take care of my family, take care of my kid, which, hey, that's an admirable thing to do. And Chad said, okay, that's great. And that's what he told us. Or Devon told him straight up, like, hey, I'm transferring. And Chad told us, the media, like, oh, no, he's doing this. And, and he didn't want to have to field yeah. questions about why he doesn't want to be with this program anymore. Exactly. So I'm not sure. I mean, that's why I asked him the, the follow-up. Like, has I specifically asked Chad, like, has he entered the transfer portal? And he said, as of coming down to this press conference, no. The second guy that decided to enter the transfer portal is true freshman corner Devin Bush. Um Looking back at his recruitment process, this wasn't too much of a surprise because he wasn't seeing the field. He only got 10 defensive snaps through all six games. I think he was only in on two games. And when he was deciding to come to Arkansas, it was super late. He signed, so the early national signing period starts one day and it's a three-day period, and he waited until the third day, which is very odd. Everyone, you know, wants the attention on that first day, but he still wasn't sure whether he wanted to sign with Arkansas. So he did that on the third day, and then he waited until school had already started to actually enroll early because the coaches had talked to his parents, and they were, you know, very encouraging that this is what he needs to do to see the field, and then he didn't see the field. So... I kind of expect him to go down to a, a D2 level, play there, and then transfer back up to the D1 level, you know, if people want him. But it's just crazy to me because the transfer portal has so many more athletes than it has spots for players at the D1 level. Yeah, I mean, if he does, if he does what you're saying, it would probably be going down to a JUCO level uh, and then because it, it would be difficult for him to transfer to an FCS or something and then transfer back up because he'd still have to deal with all – sitting out of here he, he could be a guy that goes to a juco i mean uh being from new orleans that's not very far from mississippi which you know is very known for its uh junior colleges mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me if he ended up somewhere like that you know last chance you type deal uh and then you know was a bounce back and you know he's he's got a red shirt this year so he could go to a juco for two years if he wanted uh, or he could just go for one year and have three years left at a, at a you know, Division One school. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, and that's going to be a guy we, you know, keep track of, you know, down the line. Yeah, a lot of those bounce backs, you know, they don't have success. But Rakeem Boyd is a prime example of a guy who just couldn't get it together at A&M, went to JUCO, was one of the best JUCO running backs, and then is now the SEC leading rusher. Uh, so, you know, wish the best for Devin. But it's just surprising to see these guys quit so early. I, I kind of saw it coming maybe like eight games through but six games through was a little early for me yeah I mean kind of I mean I think they realized that the easy part of the schedule is over I mean this this first half of the schedule had your three three of your non-conference games Ole Miss and Kentucky and even Texas A&M was a game that I thought they might have a chance and sure enough they they did have a very good chance but I thought you know that that's a winnable game whereas the second half of the season I mean, it's Auburn, Alabama, LSU. These are games I didn't think they had any chance to win. And so I think they realized that, and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to start looking now. We have, you know, a lot of guys who we don't know really the status of for injuries and stuff. What, what do we have that we know are available? 
Well, Colton Jackson sounds like he's going to be back. He missed the Kentucky game with a concussion. That's the second game he's missed with a concussion. Uh, did, not we, did we watch any live period this week during practice? So, no. So we don't actually know if he was in with the one. No, we don't know. Uh, but during, like, drills, like I was watching some of the offensive line drills, and he was working with the first unit. Uh, now that doesn't mean anything, but I would figure – uh, if if Cunningham was going to be getting a start again, he would probably be getting some reps. But uh, right now, it seems like Colton's going to be good to go. Uh, the only green jerseys at practice this week were Rakeem Boyd. He had the shoulder issue, as we talked about earlier, against Kentucky. He's going to be fine. He'll play through it. It's a matter of how many carries he's going to get. Uh, but then the other green jersey, and he was only in green on Tuesday, was Joe Fouché. Uh, we actually talked to him after practice that day. He said, oh, I'm just a little banged up. I'll be all right. Uh, so he's a guy that it, he should be uh, good to go. But other than that, really, injury-wise, they, they seem to be pretty healthy. We still got Jordan Jones, who hasn't played yet this season after the fall camp ankle surgery that he had. At this point, do you rush him to get him back? I mean, you definitely want – if you're going to do it, you probably want to do it soon because why let him come back and play the last three games and burn this entire year, whereas he's already used his redshirt, so it's not like he has the four-game luxury, mm -hmm. but he could, like Deion Stewart will likely do, get a medical redshirt and be a guy that could play, you know, have six years in college instead of the usual five. Uh, so at that, I think they're, gonna, they're getting close to that point of, hey, let's, let's just – let let you recover fully and be ready to go next year and who knows maybe he's a guy that wants to transfer out and go somewhere else yeah I don't want to be one of the people that you know with the rumor whatever but he was one of the players that liked Briston Guidry's fire homie tweet that's ugh, that's a bad not, look not a good look yeah uh, speaking of Briston Guidry wow what what drives him to comment on stuff like this? He's not with the program anymore. I guess he still has some, some friends that play here, right? So I guess, you know, some of the Bielema players, I think they just get very upset that they can't play even when the team is losing. You know, like when, you, when you're losing and you're on the bench, you feel like, why aren't the coaches playing me? I could probably help us win. But in all honesty, in all honesty, the coaches are putting out there who they think have the best chance to win. Uh, one guy that I do think that they should have played more last week is T.J. Hammonds. Yeah, but he's a guy that this isn't just a Chad Morris deal. I mean, Brett yeah. Bielema was the same way with T.J. It, it, there's just something there that has kept him off the field, whether it be playbook or whatever. Uh, it's just they haven't really found a role for him. When he's been on the field, he's done electric things. But he just hasn't been on the field very much, and I have a hard time putting that on Chad Morris when this is the second staff now that's done it. Coming up, I've got a Q&A with Brian Matthews of the Auburn Sports site, which is our Rivals affiliate over at Auburn, so stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, I'm here with AuburnSports.com's Brian Matthews. Brian, how's everything going? You guys just dropped one against Florida, but you know it seems like y'all are, are ready to to fight after this bye week against Arkansas? I think so. I think the bye week came at a good time for Auburn. Six straight weeks of football. They needed a little bit of a break. They, they took a, a whipping down there in Florida, especially the offense really struggled against that Gator defense. And, uh, you know, I think they took that week to sort of heal up, 
and uh, get back to the basics. And then they got a little head start in Arkansas. So um, they should be healthy other than uh, Jartavius Whitlow, the starting running back who's out four to six weeks. Uh, other than him, they should be healthy and ready to go for the game Saturday morning. So what went wrong against Florida and what is kind of Bo Nix's issue? And do you think that was more of a temporary thing? Well, I think Florida really game planned Auburn really, really well. They took away a couple of things that Auburn really likes to do uh, in the running game. And Auburn wasn't able to adjust really until late in the third quarter to find something that worked. And, and once they put Auburn in that situation where they were not able to run effectively, they had to throw it. Uh, Florida's got a really athletic uh, defense, and they mm-hmm. were able to get after Bo and pressure him and uh, force some bad decisions. He threw three interceptions. You know, I think he'd gone, I think it was four or five straight weeks without a turnover uh, before that game. Uh, so I, I think that affected him, and I think the crowd really, really affected him. I, I was there. That's as loud of, of a, a weight crowd I've heard in a long, long time. Really intense noise, and I think I don't think Auburn was quite ready for that type of, of noise. They had trouble getting the snap count. Uh, the offensive line couldn't hear the clap uh, when uh, Bo was clapping for the ball. So a lot of things sort of went wrong on offense. And then defense, I thought, played great other than two big plays they gave up, uh, the, you know, the early uh, touchdown they gave up on you know simple little um, uh, flag pattern or, or, whatever, or whatever it was, a quick quick pass there, and then uh, there in the fourth quarter, I think they got tired and missed a couple of tackles, and Florida was able to ice it with that long long run. I was listening to what Gus had to say about Arkansas this week, and it sounds like you know he's given Arkansas some credit for how much they fought, even though they're two and four. Do you think that's you know, some lip service to one of his best friends, or do you think he's genuinely concerned that Arkansas has a chance in this game? I do not think it's lip service, and I think he is concerned. Um, you know, Arkansas comes between a big road trip to Florida and a big road trip to LSU for Auburn. Um, so you could look at it uh, from Auburn's perspective as a sandwich game. You know, Auburn beat uh, Arkansas 34-3 to last year, but if you look at the actual, actual numbers offensively, Auburn only had 225 yards in that game. So Arkansas's defense did a great job of uh, shutting down Auburn. Auburn really just dominated on special teams, to be honest. And um, you look at the way Arkansas's player played from an outside perspective, you know, for somebody who doesn't watch every minute of every game or video patch sport, it looks like they're getting better. They're still competing. Uh, they've been in the last two games in, in the second half and the fourth quarter. Uh, so I think Auburn's very wary that, um, you know, this this win, this, this big win for Chad Morris is coming soon, and they just don't want to be the team that uh, uh, he gets it from. If you're Gus Malzahn, what are kind of your keys to the game to beat Arkansas? Well, I think uh, they've got to have more poise offensively on the road. Uh, they've got to hold on to the ball. And I think Gus has said probably four or five times this week they've got to put Bo Nix in better situations. And to me, that's Gus' top for being able to run the ball more effectively on first and second down. So you're going to see him be really stubborn, I think. And I think the other thing they're going to try to do is Anthony Schwartz is, um, you know, he's a He's a track star and a football star for Auburn. He's probably Auburn's best playmaker on offense. He touched the ball once against Florida. So I think that'll be a big emphasis uh, this week is getting him um, the ball in space, uh, you know, in different situations, making a, a real point to, to make sure he touches it six or seven times. What's your score prediction? I have not made a score prediction yet, and I think it's going to be a fairly close game. I really do. I, I don't hmm. think Auburn – the way they're playing right now, they're without their starting running back. You know, Bo's been a little bit um, up and down, and I, I really think they want to find a running game. So I think that may, you know, cause them to start out kind of slow. 
So I would not be surprised if uh, it's a fairly close game. I, I don't think Auburn is overpowered team defensively. Now, if the defense starts turning the ball over and, and gets a pick six or something, well, then, then watch out because Auburn's defense can be dominant. I think they're one of the better defenses I've seen in my 19 years of covering the team. I've seen a couple of Auburn's games this season, but how quick are they at the beginning of the game and um, you know just scoring early? They've done that uh, to a couple of teams. I think it was Mississippi State. They um, jumped on really, really early. And, and Gus loves to do that if he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't know um, if he can against Arkansas. We'll see. I mean, I just, I just, I mean, maybe he does. I mean, maybe that's how the game goes. But I just have a feeling that he's really going to try to push this running game, and it may get a little bit ugly at first. We'll see. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll open it up and let Bo, you know, jump right in there. But after he threw three interceptions on the road last week, yet I think he might be a little conservative. Let's just start out this one. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. Sure, Nikki. Appreciate you having me. So Auburn is coming to town. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Where can fans watch that game? It's uh, on the SEC Network. All right. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Auburn has a very stout defensive line. They haven't given up a whole lot of rushing yards this season. Uh, But Arkansas did manage to hold them to only 34 points last year. 225 yards is the the stat that you got to remember. Yeah, and apparently John Chavis, his defenses have held Auburn in general, or Gus Malzahn's offenses in general, to some of the worst performances ever. So what can we really expect out of Arkansas against Auburn? I'm not really expecting much, in all honesty. Uh, I think just Auburn is just is way too talented. I mean, that defensive line that they have, uh, Derek Brown, just they're just so good. I mean... I think Marlon Davidson, he's, he's another guy that's playing really, really well. Uh, he and, and Brown are both former five-star recruits, and they are playing like it. Uh, Arkansas's offensive line, while I, I think they've been a little bit better than last year, are still not great. Uh, so I think they're, it's going to be a hard time for whoever is back there at quarterback for Arkansas because of that defensive line. And I think that's, that's really going to kind of dictate the game. You know, Arkansas, they might be able to, to limit uh, Auburn on offense a little bit. Uh, I, I would, I'm not expecting Auburn to go, you know, hang half a hundred on them, uh, but I'm not expecting it to be close either. I think the spread's 19 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think Auburn covers that, but I don't think they, you know, blow past it. I think Arkansas's best chance this week is if Bo Nix is having a bad game. Against Florida, he threw three picks. Against Oregon, he threw two picks. That's really what it's going to come down to for Arkansas. But that I don't think getting a bunch of picks is something that Arkansas's defense can count on. No. Plus, you know, we got to remember Nick's. He's a little bit. He's a runner too. I think he's their second leading rusher for Auburn. And so, uh, with uh, Booby Whitlow out with an injury, he could be asked to do a little bit more on the ground. And we saw what what Lynn Bowden did last week for Kentucky. That's obviously a little bit different. But even mm-hmm. before that, running quarterbacks have given Arkansas fits. So. Uh, that's why I think Nix is going to have a career day on the ground, uh, so he doesn't really have to do much to the air. And whenever your defense is going to be as dominant as they are, uh, like I believe, uh, you don't really have to do much on offense. Just really quickly before we go, Arkansas has a really big recruiting weekend. They've got six official visitors for football and two official visitors for basketball. Um, on the football side, they welcome in the Whitehaven trio, who they are 
fighting tooth and nail with Tennessee to, to hold on to, and they've got one commit out of those three, Martavius French, um, and then they're trying to land Bryson Eason and Tamarian McDonald, who are his four-star linebacker teammates. We've seen all three of those guys play. They look very much capable of playing at the SEC level. Uh, they came off an official visit at Tennessee, and now they're coming to Arkansas to, to do that here. But all in all, it seems like they're kind of going to wait it out to see how both Arkansas and Tennessee finish off of their seasons. Um, Darren Turner, he's from Memphis Central. He's the wide receiver slash safety. He's looking like he's going to be a wide receiver here, but a lot of people think his ceiling is higher at safety, so you never know. Um, He'll be here. He's already committed, obviously, so no worries there. And then Nick Turner, who is a uh, safety out of Louisiana, and that's classic. You know you have Coach Cooper. He loves those Louisiana guys. Um, he's a Georgia Tech commit, but from everything I've heard, he would love to play in the SEC, and it seems like Arkansas is his best chance to do that. So if they push hard enough, they might land a commit this weekend, which would be a nice bit of positive news for Arkansas. Uh, on the basketball side, they landed Devontae Davis last weekend after his official visit, and they're bringing in two more, you know, quote-unquote in-state prospects, uh, Moses Moody, who plays at Monteverde Academy down in Florida, and K.K. Robinson, who plays at Oak Hill in Virginia. And both of those guys are kind of wrapping up all their official visits. K.K. has been to Kansas, TCU, and Illinois. Moses has been to Ohio State and Michigan. And both those guys, they've, they've kind of said that they would like to sign in the later period, but now that they've taken their visits, neither one really has any idea of who else they want to check out. So it seems like the ball is in Arkansas's court. If they can seal the deal, it seems very likely that they could possibly land both those two guys this weekend. And both those guys are rivals, 150 players. So, you know, top of the top, they've got tons of offers. Um, that would be huge for Eric Musselman they want to land all five of those guys and that would be huge i think that's a big reason why they haven't offered isaac mcbride you know for this 2019 class because he wouldn't be able to play this year anyways you might as well save it bring in your fab five next year uh, that would be awesome all right guys that's it good luck this weekend auburn 11 a.m we'll see you there Life in the fast lane. Show me, lose your mind.